Welcome to Emerging Europe Talks, bringing you expert insight on innovation and technology, sustainable social and economic growth, business, politics and culture, and helping you navigate the Emerging Europe region. Hosted by Andrew Robel. Remember to visit the show's page, emerging-europe.com forward slash multimedia, or check the hashtag EETalks on social media. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Emerging Europe Talks. Today, we are looking at partnership and discussing future economic relations between the Emerging Europe region and South Korea. My name is Andrew Robel, and I am joined by Yeonho Kim, Associate Research Professor of Practice and Associate Director of the Institute for Korean Studies at the George Washington University in Washington. Yeonho, welcome to Emerging Europe Talks. Thank you for having me. Perfect. So let's start with the very first question. So, well, South Korea is one of the Asian tigers or the countries are referred to in Korean, one of the four Asian dragons, right? Right. So the countries have steadily retained a high rate of economic growth since the, you know, the 1960s, actually. What fostered that growth in South Korea in particular? And how has the country utilized that growth? I think, uh, first of all, there was a very strong consensus among the Korean people that they have kind of a historical mission after the colonial rule by Japan. And it was, you know, more than 30 years and the uh, devastating Korean War. And everybody agreed that we have to rebuild our country. And the motto was in Korean, uh, you know, during the 60s and the 70s, even 80s, meaning we should improve our lives and we should get rich <laughs> for our children, obviously, right? So that made the Korean people uh, united and rallied around the political leadership, no matter what, for the, uh, you know, better life, uh, future life. And they became willing to go through serious belt tightening while uh, heavily investing in education, and saving. Again, that was their huge investment in the future. That's the uh, psychological you know, background for the success of uh, South Korean economy. And also really great heroic, I should say, uh, entrepreneurs like uh, the chairman of uh, Hyundai and Samsung. For example, you know, Hyundai, when they um, raised this, their issue, uh, idea, of a manufacturing car in Korea. At the time, everybody said, you're crazy. <laughs> you're not serious. But the chairman just did it anyway. And, uh, you know, Samsung's investment in semiconductors, again, it was really, you know, crazy idea at the time. But now we, uh, we know it was really brilliant and, uh, you know, forward looking, uh, perspective, uh, initiated by the chairman. So this great entrepreneurship was really, one of the driving forces of the Korean uh, economic miracle, and also uh, the bureaucracy and the political power. We had a lot of, uh, you know, democratic issues surrounding the democracy and corruption also. But at the end of the day, the bureaucracy and the political leadership, they knew their the foremost, most uh, important job is to make the country richer mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, invest their uh, talent for the future. So. 
that uh, very efficient and uh, mission-driven bureaucracy and the political leadership also uh, contributed to the economic miracle in Korea, I think. So tell me about this investment in education, because I think that is particularly interesting. What is the result of that investment right now? I should say it's over-investment in education, probably coming all the way from the Korean heritage, like you know, more than hundreds of years in the Confucius uh, society, education is the most important investment for your children to be successful. I mean, they had to go through the national exam to you know, screen the people who will be working for uh, the government. And for that, you have to study hard. <laughs> you, you need your, uh, you know, a tutor personal tutor or whatever you, uh, you, you, know, you can do for you to be successful at the test. And that kind of uh, tradition went down through the generations. So education, I mean, the worst thing you can do as a kid is uh, telling your parents, I don't want to study. <laughs> you know what I mean? So in Korea, that, that kind of mentality and tradition is very, very deep rooted and strong. And uh, in a way, it produces some side effects, overinvestment, I, I should say. So too many people want to go to college, even though you don't have enough jobs for the college graduates. But how has that helped the economy as well? So with this, uh, you know, overeducated uh, manpower, you don't have a you know, big problem with communicating with them, you know, as the employer. Right, uh, literacy uh, rate is very high, and the people are really anxious to be successful or to make a good performance. Because every when you look around, you can find a lot of competitors who are really well educated. So what are you supposed to do? You need to work harder, <laughs> and uh, you know, you know, show a better performance. So tell me, where is Korea right now when it comes to you know the social and economic situation in the country? I think as you're, uh, you know, facing the challenges in other countries, uh, especially the uh, advanced uh, economies, aging society is one of the uh, big problems uh, Korea is facing now. Low fertility is really a big problem. And um, when I was young, at the elementary school, I remember there were like uh, 60 at least 60 students in one classroom. But now <laughs> it's uh, less than 20 if you're lucky enough. Or in the rural area, there are a lot of schools that are closed because you don't have any students coming in. So that problem in the long term is really a serious challenge. And also high youth unemployment rate is around 10%, 10%, while the general unemployment rate is around four to five percent. So we have a lot of, uh, you know, jobless uh, youngsters there. And again, highly educated. A lot of people have college uh, degree and they don't want to have a job at a small or medium sized companies that they, uh, they want to be appreciated <laughs> in a way. So they would rather delay their employment and uh, just uh, wait and see or put uh, more investment in their education or in preparing for their chance with uh, uh, large uh, companies. So 
we have a huge gap in the labor market. So low uh, wage labor market, especially the small and uh, medium sized companies, they have to import mm-hmm. uh, labor, like uh, employ a lot of uh, immigrant workers. And that's another another uh, social challenges that Korea is facing now. Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned you mentioned Samsung, for example. So, what is the role of technology in the Korean economy right now? I think um, Korea is kind of a, a technology-driven society now. Everybody, like in other countries, but smartphone is something you feel like it's kind of a part of your skin. <laughs> you cannot live without it. And uh, wherever you go, smartphone is uh, you know in your pocket or in your hand. And because of that, I mean, for example, uh, in responding to the pandemic, Korea has been really good at testing, tracing, and even treatment of the pandemic. And also a lot of uh, other uh, related industries that are connected or that are based on this uh, advanced uh, mobile technology, mobile communication technologies. That's uh, kind of uh, emerging and uh, one of the most important part of uh, Korea's competitiveness now, I think. And when we look a little bit broader at, you know, the sort of global stage, what are Korea's ambitions right now? And what is the the country's role in uh, Asia with its neighbor? And I'm talking about, obviously, North Korea and also China. Where do you see that? I think uh, more and more people in the world are aware of uh, how Korea is good at its uh, soft power, like Korean movie, K-drama, K-pop. And uh, Korean people are very proud of that. And they are realizing that they have really strong soft power. So they want to marketize that and, uh, you know, utilize uh, that power as much as possible. So like tourism, education, and even uh, selling their uh, electronics, thanks to this soft power, they can be uh, really confident that uh, Korean products will be uh, sold really uh, in a popular way in other countries. And also uh, as uh, like uh, entry level, uh, if you will, advanced economy or Korea probably passed the threshold, I guess. But um, as one of the uh, most important economies in the world, Korea really wants to enhance its influence in the world stage and also share its uh, development uh, experiences, low-income countries. So taking more responsibilities as a member of uh, the international society. Yeah, we're going to come back to this topic in a second. But I, I would like to look at the country's neighbors. So I mentioned, you know, North Korea and also and also China. What are Korea's relations with these two countries from your perspective? North Korea, it has been decades old headache for <laughs> South Korea. I mean, geopolitically uh, existential threat to South Korea. But North Korea is also um, your brothers and sisters. Uh, a lot of people in South Korea left their family members in North Korea. And um, the Korean people still think uh, the unification uh, should uh, be realized at the end of the day. Uh, There's even a song, a national song, with the title of Our uh, Dream, Our Best Wish is Unification. So you have to live with North Korea, both threat 
and also target of uh, unification and uh, you also have brothers and sisters in uh, in the country so that's one of the biggest challenges and uh, because of that south korea has to invest huge amount of money in their defense otherwise you know the, the economic growth would have been much higher by now and china again the because of this uh, geopolitical challenge china is a uh, both challenge and opportunity opportunity wise uh, china has become the most important the biggest uh, export market for korea even bigger than the us market so you you cannot ignore your chinese customers but it's a uh, you know challenge also you don't want to be over dependent on china and you don't want to undermine uh, your alliance with uh, the united states so south korea is facing a big dilemma here and so far the korean government's stance is you don't want to upset china and also the united states you want to have uh, you want to maintain a good relationship with both china and the united states and uh, south korea is basically walking on a very tight rope i think yeah, especially recently, considering the situation or the, you know, the sort of conflict or trade wars, as some people refer to these incidents between the US and, and um, China. So you mentioned at some point that uh, Korea would like to strengthen its global role. So tell me, how do you see Korea's ambitions in Europe in particular? So Europe is, I'm um, since the signing of uh, Korea EU FTA, uh, Europe has become uh, one of the most important markets for Korea. And also in dealing with this uh, China challenge, or to put it another way, the strategic rivalry, which is intensifying uh, between the US and China, you need a friend in uh, Europe. And Europe must be uh, you know, facing the same kind of uh, dilemma. Uh, so you have a great potential to cooperate with uh, Europe. Uh, in dealing with uh, this, uh, you know, a great power competition. Are there any specific challenges when it comes to Europe for Korean companies, for, for the Korean government? I think it's kind of long distance love, I should say. So China, everybody knows where China is. Everybody uh, feels the great uh, economic uh, influence of China on the Korean uh, uh, Koreans' daily lives and the U.S. But Europe, uh, it has been very uh, benign and uh, we have been uh, maintaining a really great uh, relationship and a lot of Korean people are really uh, fond of like, having vacation in Europe. But beyond that, when you talk about Europe, not many people uh, realize the importance of Europe uh, strategically or economically. So connecting that dots would be one invisible challenges. And also uh, you're dealing with a lot of countries there, right? You can say it's the U uh, European Union, but you know, very different income levels and different histories, cultures. So coming up with uh, one uh, sharp uh, strategy would be really uh, difficult for the Korean people. So that brings me actually to talk to the topic of, of emerging Europe, so Central and Eastern Europe. What are South Korea's sort of ambitions here? You mentioned that Korean companies would like to share their expertise with lower income countries. 
it seems to be a chance here. Sure, the, the emerging Europe is a very important uh, strategic gateway to the European Union, especially when you target the western side of the uh, European continent. The emerging Europe is uh, located in the middle of the uh, European continent, which is very good for logistics, right? Mm -hmm. And human resources there are really excellent with relatively low wages. So that's perfect uh, environment for Korean companies who are looking for, uh, you know, the perfect site for their factories. So that's why I think uh, more and more Korean companies are investing in the emerging Europe region, including Poland, Czech Republic, Slovakia, and uh, Hungary. And uh, I understand uh, many companies, especially those who are manufacturing cars and the elect uh, electric vehicle batteries and electronics, are very much uh, interested, and they already uh, you know, invested a lot of money in, in the region. And where do you see prospects going forward? What are the opportunities that you would identify for both Korean companies, but also companies from the region to start cooperating or trading with Korean companies? I think because of the pandemic, more and more people are talking about reshoring, or at least nearshoring. And the regional value chain has become uh, more important than the global value chain. Obviously, we found, you know, very uh, serious challenges to that uh, global value chain, uh, global supply chain. So in that sense, I think many Korean uh, companies would approach the European market in a kind of a regional perspective. And in that sense, Emerging Europe is really a valuable strategic points uh, for their um, marketing or uh, or even uh, you know expanding the market in Europe. At some point, you said that the Koreans don't really know much about Europe. I would say that the Europeans don't really know much about Korea either. So, what kind of cultural tips would you give for both sort of parties to kind of? get to know each other a little bit better? I think uh, human uh, exchanges are really important, like, uh, you know, exchanging students, not only at the, you know, higher education level, but also uh, at the secondary school level. That would be really uh, helpful. And uh, we have a really uh, great example. Uh, I don't know exactly when it was, but uh, there was a really uh, you know, successful TV drama titled lovers in Prague. So because of that, so many people uh, have become aware of uh, Prague, where it is, how beautiful the city is. And after that, a huge number of people, Korean people, just uh, you know, choose uh, Prague as their uh, vacation, summer vacation destination. So if you have uh, that kind of uh, help from a very uh, brilliant and uh, talented uh, people, working on this uh, soft power thing. And uh, if you can, like uh, European countries or the, the, the society can support that kind of uh, efforts, then I think <laughs> the Europe will uh, you know, open a huge uh, uh, floodgate to South Korea uh, in terms of uh, introducing their culture, history, and uh, the countries themselves. Yeah, I know that there is uh, already a Polish-Bulgarian chef operating in Korea. His name is Michal Ashminov, who is quite popular in 
soul with his uh, mix of Polish and, and, and Bulgarian cuisine offered to the Koreans. So I think I understand that this is the direction that we should take and, and sort of have a little bit more of uh, such ambassadors in uh, South Korea. But we're going to have a fantastic opportunity on the 29th of April because Emerging Europe and Money Today, South Korea's leading business media platform, are organizing a joint program within uh, Money Today Key Platform Conference. And we're going to discuss business opportunities in the post-COVID world in both Emerging Europe and the Asian Tigers. So anyone who is interested in that discussion, please join us on the 29th of April and check our website, emerging-europe.com. Yonho, thank you very much for all the insights and the chat today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure. Thank you all for listening, and we look forward to your company for the next episode of Emerging Europe Talks. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and do leave a review. This will help us ensure a regular stream of great guests you want to hear from. And finally, check out our news and analysis platform at emerging-europe.com.